Amen. Thank you, guys. That was a great group effort, and so was the baptism today. So thank you, everyone, who helped with that. That's a big coordinated effort, and just it was fun doing it that way. I want to give a shout out. One of my bros here is 50 today. My friend Ian Mullane, I don't want to shame you. It's just, you know. I would probably not publicly broadcast like if, if one of my female cohorts was 50, but like dudes, we can take it. It's just par for the course. So happy birthday, my friend. And anyone else, if it's your birthday today, I don't know it's your birthday, but we love you too and hope your day is amazing. Well, hey, we're so glad you're here in person online. Um, we're just, it's, it's a great day to be here. Ryan Snow is my name. I'm one of the pastors on staff and we're glad you're joining us. And we're in week three of our series about what what if? Just talking about what if, like what if, like uh, uh, from the great uh, Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey's like, well, what if? Maybe it'd just be better if I was never born. What if I didn't come? That kind of sparked some ideation of me and some other people on our team, on the content team, about what would it look like? What would the world look like if Jesus didn't come? Because I think we saw like the ripple effect in Bedford Falls of if one great guy wasn't born or um, succeeded in ruining his own life. What if? But what if the most important person that was ever born didn't come? And whether you've been following Jesus for 50 years, 100 years, five years, five minutes, or wherever you are in the journey, even people that aren't of like the Christian persuasion would say that Jesus Christ is probably the most pivotal personality to ever don history. He's a guy that's li whose life just seemed to have more impact. I mean, time as we know it, whether it was BC, AD, or now CE, BCE, is predicated upon the um, assumption of when Jesus Christ came into this world. And so we're gonna talk a little bit more about that today. Father, we just ask you to come. We ask you to meet us. We ask you to speak to us. We ask, Lord, that we would be conduits for your word and for your work, that you'd move through us, pray over every heart here, pray over everyone that's in service, that's online. I know there's tons of sick people right now, Lord. We just pray a blessing on them, on their children, on their families. We just pray a spirit of wellness around here. We pray supernatural health. And we just pray that um, you would meet us today, Lord. You'd meet us in a very personal, powerful, and present way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we all love these Christmas stories, don't we? We, we love, does anyone have like a list of Christmas movies you gotta watch every year? Anyone? Come on, show your hands. Don't, don't, you aren't too cool. All right, I guess I'm the only dork here. But um, <clears throat> whether it's, it's a Wonderful Life and George Bailey or The Miracle on 34th Street or Buddy the Elf's Dad or Mr. Scrooge or... The Grinch, we all have these, we all kind of love these stories um, because of the turn and the change. Like, if George Bailey just evaporated, we wouldn't like that. Or if Buddy's dad never changed, or if Scrooge just stayed a miserable miser and died the next Christmas, we wouldn't keep turning them on. I think there's something that we just assume that after these people have the encounter with the spirit or the angel or the angelic host or whatever it is, or enough holiday cheer, we hope and assume that the change was long-term. We don't have sequels to these movies. And we hope that this change was not just um, a one-time thing, that they were truly transformed lives and it was long-term and it was total. 
And I think a lot of times we assume that like maybe, like I think we resonate with these stories because we, we all, don't we all kind of hope for that moment where life for us or for other people just improves? where we just hit, hit that other gear, where we're out there shooting for some rabbits and we get like the bubbling crude, right? We all kind of hope for that moment where just something happens and life changes for the better. Because I don't think anyone that's alive is like, man, I just want it to suck. I just want this to be terrible. I want it to be horrible. I just, I want the worst day. I want corns. I want bunions. I want infections. I want no teeth. I want my face broken. I want every bone on me crushed. I want to be, have no money, and I want everyone to hate me. Like, no one thinks like that. No one thinks like that. We, we all, there's something inside of us that longs for something better that longs for something more, that we love stories of transformation, that we love it when um, good prevails. And so I wanna ask, what, what is the after story of your life? Last, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what if Jesus never came? Then last week, we talked about what if the Holy Spirit never came? Well, what, what if we don't let Jesus come in our lives? Or what if he's come and there's never really been transformation. Because a lot of the people who were up here today said, I'm giving my life back to Jesus. That when he came, maybe they didn't have that same profound effect that we hope it had on George Bailey or the Grinch or Scrooge. Where are we not allowing Jesus to come? What's the end result of our lives if he doesn't have his way in our lives? What if we don't give other people the same opportunity we were blessed with? I think there's a lot of people, if we're really honest, we, we had that moment where we knew we needed Jesus, and we did, but we just kind of have lived our lives like it was for us, like it was for me, like that was all he wanted, was a one-time transaction. He comes into me, releases me from all my guilt and all my debt, all my shame, and eventually I get to be with him forever. And Jesus says, he says, everyone's gonna stand before him on the last day and he's gonna say, give me account of what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I did? What I did for you should not be an add-on. What I've done for you should change everything. We spent, we spent about two and a half months talking about Jesus everything. Because we're a church that believes wholly in disciple making. And, and, and becoming a disciple is not becoming a fan. It's not becoming a follower. It's not Jesus giving him our likes on Instagram or Facebook. Or it's not an occasional tweet about a quote from the Bible on Twitter. It's like a wholesale transformation. And when he comes and we stand in front of him someday, and everyone will. I believe everyone will. He's gonna say, what did you do with what I gave you? He's gonna say, what did you do? Did you live for yourself or did you bow? Did you yield? Did you surrender? Did you say yes? And not just saying yes once. Like, I love when people come to Jesus and it seems like there's this thing like Zacchaeus was a terrible dude. His people hated him. He was a persona non grata. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house this day because Zacchaeus had this long-term plan. He's like, here's what I'm gonna do. Not only has heaven take a hold of me now, here's what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. And Jesus is like, bam, that's what I'm talking about. And so where are you in your story? Are you like, bam, I'm like, 
I'm like Zacchaeus, like it was so foundational, it was so pivotal, I wanna run like I was on fire the rest of my life from that old life. Or has it just been kind of limping along? Has it been the army crawl? Has it, or has it kind of been like, I said yeah, but it really hasn't changed anything. Or maybe you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even really know what you're talking about. I don't know much about this Jesus guy. So where are we not allowing Jesus to come? And I think that as we've, as we've looked at the story that um, the world is dark and it's challenging and our lives can be dark and can be challenging. Last week we talked about the unlimited potential that comes from Jesus coming, laying down his life for us and then the gift of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness and reconciliation of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that much of the world, much of the cruelty and the evil that exists in the world is not because God is cold, not because God's absent, not because he's weak, not because he's confused, not because he's some raging despot just up in heaven with lightning bolts, not caring about the court of this earth. But I believe it's because not enough of his people are taking up the mantle of what we were given to be his hands, feet, and his agency on this earth. I know how many opportunities I've missed in my life because I've been in a fog and a stupor, because I've been in my flesh, because I've been mad, because I've been upset, because I've been aloof, or because whatever appetite I was feeding that day. Edmund Burke says this, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Do you know all that's required in your world for evil to abound is for us to sit on our, on our hands, to take what was given us and just act like it's an add-on. Do you know that's all it takes? All it takes is for us to turn away, to look the other way. What are the consequences if Jesus doesn't come to us? What are the consequences if we don't let that work that happened erupt and not just flavor our lives, but become the thing in our lives? Romans chapter 10 says this, if you turn with me in your Bibles, if you've got a, a phone or you've got the, the paper one, or you can just look online if we can get that up on the screen. Romans chapter 10, verses eight through 17 says this. But what does it say? Talking about it being like the word that the word of God is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that, uh, like that uh, we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that uh, you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. I wanna stop there for a minute. What Paul is talking about here, like there's not some God for this people, there's not God for that people. There's not some special grace for the good or some, you know, kind of lower heaven for the bad. He's saying all are one that we all need Jesus desperately and that he's the only way. So it's not like all drains lead to the ocean. I know there's a very popular kind of ethos in our age. Well, 
aren't Hinduism or Buddhism or Taoism or Spiritism or uh, Unitarian or Atheism, aren't they all just kind of all paths to the same thing? Isn't like the God of all them just kind of the same? Isn't Allah the same as Jesus? Isn't, you know, whatever? Aren't these the same thing? And Paul's like saying, no, it's not. And I don't believe it is. I think that that's one of the great lies of our age is just this tolerance that's crept in that really just numbs us. Because if everything is the same, why go for it? If Jesus is Jesus just one amongst many God or many options, why go for it? I mean, if all dogs go to heaven, why press in? Why sell the farm to buy the pearl if it all ends up the same for everyone. And I think our culture, I think our churches have bought into a lot of this because we don't see a very evangelical church anymore. Evangelical in the point that we share our faith. It's from the Greek word, the Greek word euangelion, which means like a messenger or a sharer. That I think, don't think a lot of the churches take on that mantle or oh, I don't really wanna offend anyone. I think a lot of our attempts to not be offensive because maybe other people have been offensive with the gospel may be one of the most offensive things in the universe to God. And I think we've been so worried about how people perceive us and we're missing. Like God says, like, listen, you should be concerned about me. He says, but if you profess me with your mouth, if you share me, if you live me, if you love me, you won't be put to shame. He doesn't say anything about anyone else. Jesus will never ask you about anyone else. He'll ask you about what did you do with what I gave you? Were you ashamed of me? Did you delight in me? Did you let me delight in you? Did you give and receive my love freely? What did you do with what I gave you? He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For the prophet Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, the words till the end of the earth. That, like that word voice there, it's almost kind of like a resonance, more than a voice. It's almost like their song, like the symphony song of the saints goes out into the earth and the earth, and, and the earth hears it and responds. It's kind of like the who's. You know, the one person starts singing and then they all sing. And just this message reaches up like the top of Mount Grinch or whatever it's called and like up there and like he hears it and there's a change. And it's like, do you know when, when your song, when my song come in the symphony with the greatest song that the world gets changed? That I can't just count on the guy who's doing the missions in Mozambique or in uh, Brazil or, you know, Mexico or in Canada. I can't just count on them that I, where I am, that my voice joins it because Jesus came. And when I join that symphony, that chorus, it says spreads out into all the earth and everything changes. Or everything can change. We all have a responsibility to join in the gospel. And think of Paul beforehand, like he was one of these really bad, broken dudes. And think of Paul had never responded on the Damascus Road. 
Paul has led more people to Christ than Jesus did. If, if you think in Jesus' earthly, earthly ministry, now I know Jesus does all the drawing, all the work, but Paul personally had a bigger impact than maybe anyone that ever lived. I mean, 13 books of the New Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. Half of them were written by Paul. From Paul, the gospel went out to Europe, into Asia, to all over the joint, into Africa. Paul's impact was prolific. What if Paul, that day on the Damascus Road, when he met Jesus, just said yes, and then just went about his life? What if it didn't take hold of him? What if he didn't take him into his workplace? What if he didn't take him into his family? What if he didn't take him into all the places? He goes like, what would the world be like if Paul had just sat on it? And I contend your life is just as valuable to God's. It, your, your life is just as valuable to God as Paul's was. What is the world missing out on when we don't let Jesus come through our lives? I believe people are walking around spiritually dead all around us and we have the solution. One of our elders here, Margie Appenfelder, um, uh, Margie Appenfelder prayed, Father, give us a burden to hold gracefully and gratefully what we are meant to carry. Give us a burden to hold gracefully and gratefully what we are meant to carry. If you know Jesus, does your heart break for what breaks his? Do you care about the father? Do you care about discipleship? Do you care about the lost? These are the hallmarks that heaven's taken hold of us, that it's changing. And I'm not trying to shame anyone, but, but, but the facts are, if we do nothing, all it takes for evil to prosper is for us to do nothing. In our world, our country, our area, we see it going down the toilet with a swiftness. What are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about it? You might say, oh, well, the elections didn't go how I wanted, or all oh, these rules, all these things, and the world, it's just, it's, but that's, that was never God's plan anyways. Do you know Jesus' plan was never to save a nation through a government? His plan was never to save a nation through laws. If he would have done that, like the tablets would have been enough. Jesus' plan was always to come into the hearts of people and transform us one by one, one at a time. That was always his plan, was the governance of God would take over our hearts, over our lives. Do you know that you are God's plan for bringing the good news to people? Look at the person next to you say, I am God's plan for bringing the good news. I am God's plan. You are. Do you know my life and yours, that's the good news. We're living epistles. Like when we walk it out, that is good news to the world. Jesus says there's no plan B, there's no better plan than a life transformed that says yes to him and that looks different because he moves to us and through us. When we, do you know when you sing this song, when you join this voice, this chorus, like it talks about in Romans later on that vengeance is God's. He says, I will avenge, I, I will repay. He says, you don't do it, you don't do it. You don't curse people, you don't bind people, you don't act unforgiving towards people. He said, let me have my day, let me do it. But do you know that God's plan for uncorking vengeance on the dark one starts with us? 
When God moves through our lives, and I'm not saying, but, no, he's saying, let me avenge stuff. But what he's saying is, when you let me move through your life, watch how I start to avenge the earth. When I start singing through your life, the beauty, the power, the magnificence, the transformation, when I do that, when you don't take it upon yourself, when you let me move in you, watch how I start taking my vengeance on the kingdom of darkness. Watch when you let Jesus move through your life how the vengeance of generational curses, of disaster, of addiction, of divorce, of hatred, of brokenness, of just affairs, whatever it is, Jesus says, when you let my rule and my reign take over you, watch how I start to avenge the years that the enemy, that the locust, that corruption has taken, watch how I start to avenge it. Watch what I do through your life when you let me have you. When you respond to me, watch what I do with destitute generations. Watch what I do. I believe Jesus wants to uncork a can on the enemy in your family, in your life. I believe he wants to. It says Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to dent them. He came to damage them. He came to destroy them. We are salt. We are light. We are God's plan. Say, I am salt. I am light. I am God's plan. That's who you are. That's why Jesus came. He did come. That's who you are. And we live as, as such. We simultaneously are agents of mercy to the captives and vengeance towards the captor. The great jerk. The great jerk. It's not Potter. It's not Scrooge, it's not the Grinch. The great jerk is the enemy, is Satan. And if we don't let Jesus work through our lives, the consequences for us and other people are dire. Does your life show and tell the story of the goodness of Jesus? And I know there's times where I've just let it go dormant inside of me where that voice becomes an echo, becomes a distant, becomes silent. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're like, I just can't hear the voice of God anymore. Or man, I used to go for it, and now I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I believe in this stuff anymore. I'm not sure if I can trust it. I've lost so many friends. I've lost so many people. I've lost jobs. I've lost all this stuff. I've lost sleep. I've lost my health. I've lost my hair. We've, I've lost things, and it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can lean into this anymore. And Jesus would say to you, hang on, hold on, don't quit. Because not many who have given up families, that have given up friends, that have given up jobs, that have given up homes, that have given up reputation will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the age to come. Amen. We're not just living for this life, friends. Because this life's a disaster. This world is, in, is a wreck we're living for not the dot, but the line. We're living for the line of eternity. We're living, and then, so that's why we can chuck off some of this stuff because this isn't our home. Jesus says, you're aliens in this world. You're aliens, you're strangers, you're pilgrims. You're passing through. But too many of us live like this is our destination. What if Jesus doesn't come through our lives? 
I mean, I think Christians should be the most full of joy people in this world. I didn't say happy. I'm not saying we'll never battle depression, sadness, loss, or pain. In fact, when we start living the gospel, a lot of times we're gonna incur more of that than we imagined. But we have the hope no one else has. Paul says we don't live and mourn as the world does as if this is all there is. This is the good news, is that we don't have to stay stuck in the stuff that's enslaved us, that's broke us, that's marred us, that's twisted us, that's confused us. We can emerge from it. This life is not all there is. And we have overcoming life. Do you know you have overcoming life right now? Like I said, this message is not meant to shame or whatever. It's just, it's just like a, it's an awakening that like if you're like, dude, I'm not there. Okay, great. There's so much grace for that. Jesus says, just stop and come on today. He doesn't say, well, you have to pay a penance. You have to go on the front porch like the purgatory. You have to give indulgences. You have to you know, go to confession. No, just confess your sins today. Just get on your face and say, Jesus, I've blown. He's like, perfect. Watch what I do. Come on. It's not like this thing, you don't gotta like, you know, have whatever, just like it's, it's a long obedience in the same direction. That's what discipleship is. It's just saying yes over and over. And it's saying yes to the things God cares about. He cares about holiness. He cares about unity. He cares about us growing up in Christ and he cares about the lost. Holiness is not meant to insulate us from the world. Holiness is made to show us like when Jesus touches our lives, we look different. It's hopeful. It's not, oh, you, whatever, you slug. No, it's like, dude, I was maybe worse off than you and look what he can do if we say yes to him. That's what the set apartness is. He's not looking for trophies on his shelf. He's just looking for light in the world, light in the darkness. He's looking for salt. We should look. Our lives, do you know your life and mine should look, taste, we should be different. If you are no different than your unsaved friends and family and coworkers, maybe heaven hasn't taken quite as hold of you as, as God plans for it to yet. And I'm not saying that to shame, but I'm saying there's more. Do you know you can have as much of God as you want? Without limit, Jesus gives a spirit without limit. And we can step outside of our current circumstances or our very marred pasts into a glorious future and join God in what he's doing. I love what it it says in Zephaniah, that the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one, he will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you know when when our lives say yes to Jesus, we join in his rejoicing, in his beautiful song of the redeemed. God is the one who's directing that choir. It says the angels sing his praises day and night, but it says right here that he sings our praises, that he sends our blessings when we join him. And not like God's worshiping us, but God rejoices because we're kids that he deeply loves. We're not just scourged that he's like, I just felt bad for these losers. I guess we'll bring them on. No, these, we were children 
that were lost. And he set his affection, he set his quest, he set his trajectory on finding people. That's the kind of God he is. That's why we can give him everything. Because he loves us like that. Your life was bought at a steep price. Whether you've even accepted Jesus, he paid for you. He had you in mind when he laid on that tree, humiliated, marred, broken, whipped, bleeding. He had you on his mind. He didn't purchase you as if you were some cheap carnival trinket. He gave everything he had because we're worth that. Is he worth it to us? I wanna invite, uh, invite my friend Marco up. Heise mein Bruder willkommen in der Sein Zingoinskipt. Yeah? Is that richtig? I know I have a terrible accent. Is his mic on? This is my Bruder aus Deutschland, Marco. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense? No. Mein Bruder willkommen. Okay, is no, it, like, no, it does, yes. Okay. Sorry, I was speaking too fast for the German guy. My, my German was too good for... <laughs> So I just want to tell you, Marco, I've just met Marco in the last couple of months, and Marco is a dude that um, I just love the life of God in him, and he's just kind of got a cool story that he's going to share with us for about the next 10 minutes or so, of just how God's kind of radically changed him, and that someone and some ones didn't decide to not tell Marco about Jesus. So take it away. Thank you, Warren. Well, first of all, me and my wife, we moved here from Florida in September, and I just want to thank you guys, how you guys have received us with such love and such grace. Um, I want to tell you guys, this is the remnant of Christ right here. Many churches will tell you what you want to hear, where Jesus is the add-on to your life. But Ryan speaks the truth, and uh, we can be really grateful for that. So my story, I want to, everyone who has been saved less than a year, raise your hand. Wow, two people, okay. You picked the right person. <laughs> so my, my journey with Jesus began around two years ago, but I wasn't saved until probably a year ago. And so going into that a little bit more. Honestly, I was lost. I mean, I was beyond lost. Not only was I lost, I was deceived too. I'm 26 now. For 24 years, the devil has played games with my mind, with my family, with everything in my life. I didn't know Jesus. I heard of him, but I didn't know him. And like I said, not only was I lost, I was completely deceived. I was so deceived and new age beliefs. I was, I was the one that put in their Facebook page, I'm spiritual, but not religious, right? I was the one that believed in reincarnation and positive thinking and if I just say it, I can manifest it. I was, I was the one that thought I was God. Why do I need a creator? I can just worship creation as society and culture tells us. That, that, that was me. Can anyone resonate with that? Yeah? It's, it's the culture right now. It's telling us to worship creation and completely get away from the creator. And I was an atheist. I was making fun of Christians. I thought... An outdated religion like that, you know, come on, get with the system, bro, type of thing. That was me. I was like Saul, in a sense, right? And the fruit of that 
was in my life. The rotten fruit of that was in my life. There was no peace. There was no hope. Nothing was good enough. There was such a void in me that nothing in the world could fill. You know, I was horrible at my job because I didn't care about anyone else but me. Um, my marriage was falling apart. I was addicted to the, to the eyes, to the lust of the flesh. I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate to that. That's kind of like how we are before we meet Jesus. Nothing really makes sense. You don't understand this life until you really become a Christian. Nothing makes sense. You come down here in this life. You look around. Everything is going from order to disorder. And you, like Ryan talked about a couple of weekends, everything's just up for grabs. Well, I don't want to stand here 10 minutes and just give the enemy credit of how he manipulated my life for 24 years. I want to give credit to God what he has done in 24 months. And it took a person, I want to use that motivation, it took a person, it was actually somebody at my gym, it took a person who kept dropping seeds in me. And I didn't want to listen to it, but he kept dropping those seeds and he came at me hard with them. It says, some safe with love, some safe with the fear of God. He dropped the fear of God in me. Him and his wife truly dropped the fear of God in me. And it sparked me to order a Bible. I can't tell you why, but I ordered a Bible. And I just started reading, and I started reading in the beginning, which is the worst thing you can probably do. Because <laughs> by the time you get to Deuteronomy, it's like, okay, what? <laughs> right? Nothing makes sense. But it's, it's, I was always a truth seeker, so I was so deceived by the truth of this world and the, uh, you know, conspiracy theories without Jesus. Even though some of them are true, without Jesus, there's no end to it. Right, so once I started actually reading the real truth, it was like water to a thirsting soul. If anyone can relate to that. Once you really read the gospel and you, you hear how Jesus talks about this life and the life to come, it started clicking. And we, me and my wife, we started going through, to church and Jesus took on this, this transformation so rapidly within months And it was because someone at the church, the pastor that case in, in, at that time in Florida, he was just showing us this love. We were hiding in our shame. We were addicted to all kinds of nonsense. And we were just so, it's like when you go first to church, you sit in the back because you're like, I, I, I'm not worthy. And then the pastor was just, his, the love of Jesus was radiating to us through it. And it was just an amazing journey what God has done but I'll tell you that too it wasn't that I just walked into the church and said I give my life to Jesus I actually did the Romans road to salvation I actually got baptized as well and I said oh I love Jesus but I still didn't feel it so that was an interesting journey that God took me on it was kind of like at first getting to know Jesus like hi my name is Marco oh you already know that okay so like I'll, I'll see you I'll, I'll get to you when I need you right sometimes we're like that and we'll go over here and then, oh, okay I need him a lot so we're going back over there and then we start hanging out with him and we're starting to, to in, in my way it was reading and praying and being around God's people and that's when the real battle actually begins because now you know the truth and now you have this fight between your old life the desires of your flesh and all those things and what God has for you and it's this battle over your soul that's what I felt for a good couple of months probably a good six months and it was just coming from that first knowing him to that friendship with Jesus was like man this guy's really cool like he's helping me with everything I see him restore my marriage I see him restore 
everything in my life. I mean, my wife, she doesn't like to talk a lot, <laughs> but uh, she has an amazing testimony as well. I love that we went through this together. So now where it's like Jesus is everything in my life. It's like now I am, I am married to him. I love him so much. And that love is just radiating through me. Now I don't have to pray for the circumstances anymore. I just pray that I'm closer to his heart and all the circumstances will align because I'm close to him. But it, it took time. And it was actually a funny thing reading through the whole Bible. And the last book in the Bible, Revelation, saved me because I had a revelation of who Jesus was, who Jesus is now, and who Jesus is going to be. And through that... I had a revelation of who Jesus is. All of a sudden, it wasn't just, oh, he died for me so that I have eternity. It was, okay, I understand now that he suffered, that by his stripes, I am healed. He was made poor so that I can be made rich. He was crowned with thorns so that I can take dominion. He was pierced in his side so that I can overcome all afflictions in my life. He was made a curse on the cross so that I'll be redeemed from the curse of the law. That's Jesus. And at first we start praying for the circumstances and then they always get better. And Jesus has just placed such a, a heart on a burden on my heart. I always pray, let me, you know, let me see what you see. Let me, your burden that you feel, let it be my burden too. Because everyone, everyone in here, to your left, to your right, everywhere you go, at a gas station, grocery store, at work, everyone is eternal. And there's two places wait, waiting for them. Every two seconds, a person dies. And it's our role to be representatives of Christ, right? And some of you have been in your faith all your year, uh, all life, and I admire that. Some for 40 years, 20 years. Some maybe for a couple months like me where you're like, well, he's kind of hot right now. But just, you know, just wait. And religion will kind of, you know, get him back down here. But never let that happen. Never. You know, Jesus isn't in the business of making some things new. He's in the business of making all things new. Yeah. Yeah. So what if someone didn't tell Marco? I think all those years ago, what a chump that I was. What if those people hadn't told me? What if they hadn't looked past my stink and my sin and my sarcasm and my whatever? What if they hadn't looked past all that? Because we, we never know the impact that our life's gonna have. The old, the old Jewish proverb, the one who saves one life saves the world entire. What if you... And Jesus says, that's not even the baseline metric. He says, the one, like the seed that's really, a good seed produces 30, 60, even 100 fold. What if that became our new metric? It was like, dude, this isn't just about like leading one person to Christ. Like what about we discipled 30 people? Or we led 60 people to Jesus? Or we led 100 people to Jesus? Or 1,000 people to Jesus? I mean, do you know your life has at least that potential? Like Jesus is just going on like the low bar. You're like, whoa, that's a big expectation. No, that's a big invitation. Jesus wants us to join him in his quest 
for redeeming this world because it's busted. That's why he came. And what kind of effect would it have on the world if you took the George Bailey plunge? If you're like, I'm just done. I'm over. I've had enough. I'm too depressed. I'm too sad. I'm too drunk. Or these people around me are. Whatever it is, I just, I gotta go. I'm done. Your life is of great value. Don't do that. God's plan for you. The only death God has planned for you in your life is for you to die to your old self and say yes to him. Because he says even the final death then is swallowed up. Do you know if you do that, that that, that, that last death, when we just say our last, breathe our last, that that's just our, that's just our passport into life eternal? So the only death Jesus has planned for his people is that we take on what Jesus took on and we just say like, I die to myself. I die to my desire to have whatever I want or to just be quiet or just to be this or that. No, Lord, I die to that and I say yes to you because your life, your song can't be just contained in my life. It's like Aslan, like in Narnia. Anyone ever watched Narnia or read Narnia? I love that when like Aslan just starts going and just starts singing creation. That Zephaniah verse that we read, like that God rejoices in us over song. He just sings over our lives. Do you know God, when he looks at your life, he's not singing a dirge. He's not singing some sad country song. God's singing this ebullient thing that he sees you, he likes you, he notices you, he loves you, and he rejoices when we do what he makes us to do. And I can't tell you how glad that I am that Jesus got a hold of my life. I can't tell you how glad I am that my friend Marco, my Bruda, is that all right? Von, uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, so, ich spreche Hauptdeutsch. So, but what if no one ever told me? What if I didn't respond? What if you don't? What if we go from here today and we're just like, that was cool, let's go get some conies. How can you, how can the song of your life bless people? What if you told someone this week and they gave you the finger? Or what if they gave you their own one and said, come closer, tell me more. I think we're so worried about like the one, like in the middle, that we don't see the one of God saying, do this, come on. We're so worried about the consequences that we miss the blessings. Amen. And what if you don't share like a guy, what if the next person you share with is like him, who's gonna impact probably tens of thousands of people in his life? The stakes are dire. Not to act is to act. Not to speak is to speak. To do nothing in the face of evil is evil itself. And do you know it's evil? It's evil of us to have salt and light and to put a bowl over it and not share it. It's evil. It's what the enemy wants. Evil's not just the brothel. It's not just the, the heroin. Evil in God's eyes is saying nothing. He says, beautiful are the feet of those who go and bring good news. And you don't have to be perfect. Sometimes it's just better news than it was yesterday. And that's good enough. But go. So we're gonna, we're gonna um, 
just worship. And then we're gonna also do something a little different. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper at the end. But before you do, as we start to worship, I just want you to ask yourself, not what if Jesus didn't come, what if the Holy Spirit didn't come, because they did. What are, where am I not letting him come through my life? Where am I saying no? Where am I being disagreeable to the plan of God? And we all have it. We all have it. Like I, I, I haven't told enough people about Jesus. I haven't shared his love. I spend way too much time on my phone or on my couch or just, you know, reading about the Bengals or talking about the weather or just whatever. So just get your heart before God and just ask him. Before you take communion, all you gotta say is, Jesus, I repent of that. Will you give me opportunities to live differently? That's all it is. This is not meant to shame anyone, but the, but the facts are dire. Jesus was born because this world needed him to, to come. Your, his plan is for us to be born again and for us to go and be like him on this earth. So Father, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you speak to us in this time, in this song? Would you come in fellowship with us? Would you let your heart illumine ours and show us where you want us to be, your hands and feet? Because beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let us join with the song of heaven that rejoices over each one that says yes. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray for. Dwell in the midst of us.